Well, we're here celebrating not really the Christmas season yet, but the Advent season. This is our Advent season. Advent, the coming, the waiting, waiting in anticipation. Now, Nate is anticipating the coming of Christmas Day. He's been waiting, seeing like forever. He's so excited. He's thinking about that future day. Can't wait for it to get here. He can't sleep. He gets restless in the waiting. It changes his outlook. It changes his mindset. And then it's here. And it's awesome. And then it's over. (laughs) And then we move on. And something about that is really sad. You ever wonder why we do it? I mean, celebrate Christmas like we do. Why would a society that has essentially rejected the reason for Christmas go to such great lengths to celebrate it? Decorations, trees, parties, food, gifts, music, nostalgia, traditions, gatherings, goodwill, family. Could it be even that Christmas as commercialized and sanitized as it's become, even in our bent understandings and our shopping madness, that even all with all of that, that Christmas actually still expresses deep longings of our human hearts, that this time expresses these beautiful, deep longings of our hearts. We sing, Christmas Eve will find me where the love light beams. Family and friends gathered together, sharing, gifting, laughing, a fire crackles. Don't you have this picture? Well, at least up here in the north. We belong. We're accepted. We're loved. And while our homes are not always like this, maybe they're never like this, home is still a cherished ideal. We yearn. And long for harmony in our relationships, belonging in our families, and joy in our gatherings. Never mind peace in this world. And while the Christmas season does end, our longings do not. Our longings don't. Part of that longing and emptiness is at the end of the season is because we know the wonder of the holidays We have a sense that it's just a glimpse, a foretaste of a better celebration, of a better belonging, a forever home, or a forever celebration. Ecclesiastes 3.11 tells us that God has planted eternity in our hearts, and we have this as part of us. And so if the end of the holiday season leaves you feeling a little bit empty, or if this commercialized holiday season leaves you feeling a little bit empty, it's because we know there's something better. There's something lasting. And this realization shouldn't keep us from celebrating. Not at all. The coming of Jesus Christ is the answer to the longings of our hearts. The coming of Jesus is the answer to the longings of our hearts. And we're going to look at three ways that Jesus is the answer to our deepest longings today. Our longing for acceptance. Our longing for identity. And our longing for lasting intimacy. Our longing for acceptance, identity, and lasting intimacy. I'll be home for 
Christmas, as if you want me. <laughs> we sing the song, right? We know the song. Like, I'm allowed, right? I, I can come home. We, it's an assumption. It's a tacit assumption, assumption in the song. What if, what if they don't really want me home for Christmas? That, that might be the case, like Colin. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm invited, right? I'm, I'm, I'm accepted from creation. In the beginning of mankind, Adam and Eve walked with God in the garden. But the disobedience of the first man and the first woman resulted in broken relationships with each other, broken relationship with creation, and most importantly, a broken relationship with God. Immediately, God's reclamation project begins. And part of that project involves our hearts, our innate longings, that longing for wholeness in relationships with others, with creation, and with God is present. In every other man-made religion, this longing for wholeness or acceptance from, is, uh, acceptance from God is kind of man-centric. It's man-focused. Do this and you'll be acceptable again. Do this and you'll be made right with your God. Live this way and you'll progress to higher planes of acceptance. I actually um, saw a video this week. Uh, it was a motivational video. Um, and the, the message was so appealing to us today. And, and maybe it's not that the other religions we're looking at today, but this sense of, you being enough. And the entire video, very motivational, great music, great images. And the speaker kept coming back. And the speaker was very well-intentioned, I'm sure. But he kept coming back to the point was, you want to be satisfied? Then look only to yourself. You are enough. You are perfect. You are all that you need. You don't need anybody else to give you or affirmation. You can do it. You are enough. And finish with love yourself. Now, these are great thoughts. They're great thoughts. But innately, don't we know better? Isn't this the source of our anxiety and our trouble to begin with? Is because if we try to tell ourselves that we're enough or that we're perfect, we know we're not. And we know we never will be. But we should be. So now we're anxious about not being enough. I look at myself and I know I'm not. But you should be. But I'm not. This does not and cannot answer our heart's longing for acceptance. We know better. So you might ask, well then, what about Christianity? What about the Ten Commandments and the law? Don't they say and do the same thing? What makes Christianity different from every other religion is that in God's reclamation project and plan, the law does not have the power to save you because you can't keep it. The law does not have the power to save us because we cannot keep it. We can never own it. We're a slave to the law. Jesus 
answers our longing in today's passage today for acceptance in a way that no other religion could imagine. Our passage in Galatians 4 tells us that by being born of a woman under the law to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law. Jesus purchases our freedom from the law by being born of a woman under the law to buy freedom for us who are slaves to that law. Now you are no longer a slave to the law, but God's own child. Jesus came to set us free from the law, from having to keep it to be acceptable The law was there to let us know. It was a steward. It was a custodian. It was there to let us know that we could not do it on our own. And innately, we know that. And in this sense, it guides us to our salvation in Jesus. And Jesus alone answers that longing for acceptance by God, by what he has done. You can count on me um, as if you really want me there. You did invite me and I'm accepted, but do you, do you really want me? Do, do you need me there to fulfill a particular part that I play in that belonging? I have an identity. I have a part that will be missed if I'm not there. You can count on me, right? You can count on me because you do really want me there. It's not just, okay, you you can come. We'll, We'll have you here. We'll accept you. No. Our longing for identity is innate. It's part of us. It's part of our DNA. All of us want to belong. We want to know that we belong to a group, to a team, to a cause, to a family. We want to know that we matter. One of the most beautiful and touching plot lines in any type of story um, is that of an orphan finding a family. And how beautiful is that, that an orphan would find a family, someone to give them identity and make them part of themselves. Even more beautiful is we see stories of a slave, not just an orphan, but a slave who then finds a family. How about a helpless, hopeless, seemingly worthless slave finding and being part of a wealthy, honorable, loving, thriving family where they're given an inheritance as part of the family. Now, wouldn't that be a story? That'd be awesome. Well, That's the story of salvation. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's your story. A helpless, worthless, hopeless slave to the law, finding and being part of a wealthy, honorable, loving, thriving family where we're given an inheritance. You, as a slave to the law, are purchased by Jesus' blood, our passage tells us. By simply acknowledging his gift and you're receiving the gift, he accepts you into the family of God and you are not his servants. It's not just come on in. You can be my servants. 
It's not just you're fostered. You can come in and you can have a bed and you can eat meals with us and kind of pretend you're part of us and be part of us for a time being. It's not even just just adopted as children, but you're adopted and you're given a new identity. And that new identity includes a new status. We are sons and daughters with rights to the full inheritance. We are heirs of God. Galatians informs us. Now, can you imagine going from having nothing to having everything worth having in the blink of an eye? A family, an inheritance, eternal life, eternal fellowship with unbroken relationships. It can be yours. It can be yours. The answer to your longing for identity and mine, the answer to our eternal salvation is found in Jesus at Christmas, in coming to save us. And most importantly, our new identity as adopted children and heirs of God conveys our greatest privilege. And the answer to this deepest longing, to know and to be known, the, long, the longing for lasting intimacy. Number three, Christmas Eve will find you where the love light beams. I have no idea what that means. Where the love light beams. But we want to sit. We want to be. We want to dwell. We want to be part of something where there's love. It's part of our DNA. Part of our longing is for lasting and real intimacy and love. Uh, Wayne Grudem, uh, theologist, says the role that is the most intimate And the role that conveys the highest privileges of fellowship with God for eternity is his role as our heavenly father. Each of us craves intimacy. We pursue it in so many ways. It's, again, part of our humanity. We were made to love and be loved. We long to love and to be loved, whether it's family, whether it's friends. Or whether it's our deepest human connection in marriage. See, God ordained marriage between husbands and wives not only to provide us a framework for beautiful and lasting intimacy, but it's also a shadow. It's a picture of the real and better and complete intimacy that's enjoyed between God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And not only that, this picture, this marriage where we're supposed to experience this beautiful intimacy is a shadow or future of the real intimacy that we will have with God in heaven through Jesus. We're able to speak to God and relate to him as our good and perfect and loving father. Now, let me just clarify here because you notice that the guild children are not here every time i speak my family disappears we got one in junior church we got two in the nursery i think they just don't want to hear me speak um because maybe they know i'm going to hammer them um or use them but in light of them being gone i'll only use myself uh maybe maybe you're sitting here today and you say i can't really relate to god as being a perfect and good father because I don't really know what that looks like. Well, guess what? Nobody really knows what that looks like. As human fathers, I 
talk to guys in my men's group all the time. I Obviously, we see guys, and I know me. Guys, we're broken. <laughs> we're broken and bent, and we have failed in so many ways. And that's part of our humanity. But we've also now not really set our children up very well to understand God as a perfect human father. Uh, remember a couple things here. Number one, that... Uh, God, as a perfect father, is not emotionally closed off to us, as some of our human fathers are, as I am apt to be at times. God loves us intimately as a human, as a perfect father. God cares for us. God provides for us perfectly. God gives us good gifts as a perfect father. God secures our eternal inheritance as a perfect father. If you can imagine a perfect father with all of the qualities of strength and sensitivity, of grace and love, of truth and caring, of understanding, this is our heavenly father. This is our heavenly father. And the scripture tells us that the intimacy we enjoy in marriage is a shadow of the intimacy we'll enjoy with our perfect heavenly father when we see him face to face. And that is amazing. Now in marriage, our love has great power. Our love has great power. Uh, this theme came to me, or I, I read this in a, in a marriage book, and the theme was pretty simple. In marriage... The person you're with knows you better than anyone else, and therefore you've given them greater power than anyone else in our lives. How so? Because if the person who knows you, like, no, really knows you, and they choose to reject you, that is a complete rejection of the person. And our souls are crushed. That is so difficult. But if the person on this earth who knows us the best knows how broken we are and what we're really like and they choose to love us anyway, then there's nothing that's more uplifting. There's nothing more strengthening. There's nothing nothing that gives us more assurance and stability in that lasting intimacy than that relationship. What about our longing for God? Could He reject us when we believe in Him? The good news for us keeps coming in our longings because God sends the Spirit of His Son, the Holy Spirit. Our passage in Galatians tells us, God sends the Holy Spirit to bear witness with our spirit and to assure us, to assure us that we are members of God's family. The work of the Holy Spirit gives us assurance of our adoption, our acceptance, our belonging, our identity, And his love. In this sense, after we've become his sons and daughters, God causes his Holy Spirit in our hearts to cry, Abba, Father, as we read here in Galatians. And because we are his children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. This is a reassurance of the Holy Spirit, of our standing, of our position before him. We are accepted. We are loved. We are brought in, we are made new, and we are made heirs of our Heavenly Father. How do we know to cry out to God as our Father? The Holy Spirit. And we're assured of our acceptance 
our identity and our lasting intimacy through the Holy Spirit. I want to ask you this morning, do you know God as your father? It can happen right now. It can happen right now. And you can have the answer through Jesus Christ to your deepest longings, acceptance, identity, belonging, and lasting intimacy. And while Jesus satisfies our deepest longings for all of these things, we must admit that like Nate after Christmas morning, we are still left longing. The celebration, the feasting, the lights, the glitter of gold, the peace, the perfect relationships, they're still to come. Jesus came to meet our deepest longings. And he will come again to complete what he started. And when he comes again, not only will will we have a celebration and feasting and lights and the glitter of gold and peace and perfect relationships, we'll have resurrection bodies. We'll have our own complete and perfect surrender to our loving Father. And we will have perfect fellowship with him. The full benefits and privileges of adoption and sonship are still to come. They're still to come. And it leaves us longing. And this is Advent. But we do not long forlornly or sadly. We long with great anticipation and hope and trust. And that is good news and joy to the world. Let me end where I started with Nate. But now let's change Nate for us. Advent, the coming, waiting, waiting in anticipation. We are anticipating the coming of the day that Christ will return. We've been waiting, it seems like forever, but we're excited. We're thinking about that future day. We can't wait for it to get here. We can't sleep. We get restless in the waiting. And it changes our outlook. And it changes our mindset. And then... It will be here. And it will be awesome. And it will never be over. And we will never move on. And something about that satisfies our deepest longings. Because it's what we were made for. Let's pray. Father God, at this time of Advent, anticipation, waiting, we look forward to Christmas Day where we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, the answer to our deepest longings. And with the same anticipation or greater, we look forward to the day when you will come again, Jesus, and fulfill all that you began at your first coming. We look forward with great anticipation to perfect relationships with one another, to perfect relationship with creation, and to a perfect relationship with you. The answer to our 
deepest longings for acceptance, identity, belonging, and lasting intimacy are all found in you. May we know you this morning. May we love you more deeply. May we wait and live with anticipation of your coming again. In your son Jesus, most holy and precious name, we pray. Amen.